Howdy. This is Jack Schmidt, and welcome to the Fremont Local Food Hub Podcast. The story about how one small town in the middle of Wyoming is fighting to reclaim their food system. Now, the people in Riverton, Wyoming aren't much different from those in other places in the United States. The commodity food system provides us with plenty of food. So much that we throw away probably 40% of it, and it's cheap. Really, really cheap. Cheaper than local farmers can grow it and compete. But there's a growing trend around the country for people to have more control what they eat. They want to know how their food was grown and processed and by whom. The people in Riverton, Wyoming want the same thing, but we have one really big incentive. Riverton, Wyoming is a little town of 10,000 people located in the center of the least populated state in the nation. We're in the Wind River Basin with mountains on all sides. And there's really only four roads coming in. It snows a lot here. Rock slides are common, not to mention that Yellowstone fault line. So the estimates are because of the fact that our food is basically all shipped in, that if something closes, grocery store shelves will be empty 72 hours. There'd be hungry people in the midst of plenty because of the lack of infrastructure. Now don't get me wrong, the people out here aren't sissies. Heck, most everybody out here knows somebody that was mauled by a grizzly bear, but we don't want to starve to death. So to address this problem, lack of locally produced, processed, marketed food, Riverton Local Food Hub was formed, and this podcast is its story. We invite you to follow us along on our journey as we attempt to reclaim our food system. Today's Freebot Food Hub podcast is brought to you by the Brown Company. Brown Company is locally owned and operated by a New Holland Ag and Light Construction dealer right here in Riverton, Wyoming. They've been part of the Fremont County community for 11 years now. They're well known by the Ag folks for their consumer service and their service after the sale. And I'll tell you what, when you got a baler down or a swather that's not going right, that service after the sale makes a lot of difference. Brown's proud to carry New Holland equipment for their fields around here, and they also carry lines of lawn and garden products for backyard producers, too. Stop into their shop at 39 Country Acres Road, just north of Riverton. You can also catch them online. GoBrownCompany.com Welcome to Episode 1 of the Fremont Local Food Hub Podcast. This is Jack Schmidt. We invite you to join us as we explore how one small town in the center of Wyoming fights to reestablish a local food system and reclaim their food sovereignty. We had realized for a long time that we're going to need a physical presence to start this infrastructure rebuilding. We need a place to work out of. And as of last Tuesday, August the 6th, we now have that facility. The Riverton City Council voted to lease us a facility known as the Airport Cafe. Their desire is to have food service to the patrons of the airport, and we need a commercial kitchen to help our local food entrepreneurs comply with consumer health regulations and so they can scale up production to meet the demand. Leasing this facility will help us to satisfy both criteria. The local food hub will operate a restaurant to service air passengers coming in and out of Riverton, but we're going to do it in just a little different way. We're going to try as much as possible to have totally local 
food served at the airport. This means all homemade, no processed food. Since the flight's coming into Riverton, now land at 7 a.m. in the morning and 12 noon, we'll basically be a breakfast and a lunch facility. So that sounds like it's pretty easy, doesn't it, to make local food? Well, we'll visit more about that on future podcasts. Several folks have already contacted us about already using the shared kitchen. So buckle up, Riverton. Here we go. So in, in this revival of local food, River Riverton sure not alone. Many other cities across the country and across Wyoming are actively involved in trying to reestablish an infrastructure for a local food system. Today on our podcast, we like to review what's already happening in this state. Joining us, we have a, a pioneer. Gosh, I hate to refer to a young lady as a pioneer, but Jamie Purcell is certainly a pioneer in this local food movement. She started the Wyoming Food for Thought Project in Casper, and her most recent endeavor is the Casper Good Food Hub. Jamie, how are you today? I'm doing awesome, Jack. Thank you. Would it be, would it be the last time I introduced you was during a snowstorm, and uh, uh, we had you on the Zoom, and I, I said, well, I'll just introduce you, and uh, and then she could correct me. So I talked for five minutes, and you you corrected me for ten, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but let me let me tell let me tell people what I think of you. How about that? I the, would love that. What what uh, what Wyoming food food for thought uh, started out as, and like a lot of wonderful things, it started out as somebody perceiving a need, and Jamie and her associates perceived the, uh, the fact that there are children that are falling through the crack and going home hungry from school, inadequate nutrition. So rather than, you know, calling the government, calling the school, whatever, uh, Jamie and her friends just took charge, got some backpacks, put this food full of backpacks, and gave it to the teachers that had uh, made them aware of students that might need a little extra nutrition. And so that's the way that started. Help me, Jamie, three or four years ago? Six and a half years ago, uh, almost seven. Time flies. And in that time, you've sent home how many backpacks? We've sent home over 1.25 million meals. Meals. In, in the city. Yeah. And, and what people remember, that's in the city of Casper. So imagine the good that's happening there. So from that then... Uh, the Food for Thought project then expanded uh, to a, uh, a community garden where uh, it's planted out there in the in the in Casper proper, and anybody can go harvest as the need addresses itself. So tell now, Jamie, you you correct me and tell me what else you want people to know about Food for Thought. Well, thank you, Jack. That's a great introduction. And, you know, you hit, you hit the nail on the head. We did start our weekend food bag program. And our intention was to feed kids with the most locally sourced food possible. Um, I was a new mom at the time. My daughter had just started kindergarten and my son was three. And as a new mom, most new moms are like this. They have this uh, uh, war path, if you will, that they want to make sure their kids have the best food possible. And I was definitely no different. So I was um, well aware of what kids were needing, especially my kids. And, 
really wanted to give that to every kid in our community. And so, you know, we started and a local solution to hunger has always been the driving force behind what we're doing because, you know, it's easy to truck in truckloads of food from other places, but it's a lot harder to source food locally. And so, you know, we, we not only realized there were holes in the hunger safety net, but there were holes in our local food system in terms of locally produced food and food that was accessible to everyone. And so we took over the downtown Casper Farmers Market. There had been a great board running that for six years, and we took it over um, and really just wanted to grow that. And our intention was to meet all these local growers and producers who would have all this food we could put in our weekend food bags. And we were so excited about that. It was right after we started, and we were like, oh, here's the solution. We're going to have all this great food. And what we very quickly learned was that there's just not a whole lot of extra food being produced in our area that we could use in our weekend food bags. And so everything that we've done since really having that realization has been this driving force to ultimately put everything locally produced in our food bags. Now, we're not even close to being there yet, but that's okay because it is the driving force has presented so many opportunities for new innovative ideas that really aren't that new. There are things that are grandparents were doing and they're the really way that the United States and the world had been producing its food for hundreds of thousands of years until globalization and industrialization came along. And so what we're really doing in Casper is kind of just returning to the way that it used to be done, trying to teach people about growing their own food, teaching them about um, preserving their own food and creating mechanisms for upward mobility for really anyone who has a desire to be involved, whether it's a producer, a consumer, or just an individual that wants to learn more. We're trying to create mechanisms for those folks to get involved in the local food system. And that's a very good point, Jamie. We, we're, we keep talking about this new local food system. It's not new. We're stepping back 75 years and dang proud of it. Because that food 75 years ago, many, many people believe had a lot of advantages, including a much higher nutrient value. So maybe right. maybe I better reclaim our thing and we'll, we'll, we'll just, uh, instead of going forward, we'll go back and I don't mind that a bit. <laughs> well, you know, I think that it, uh, it definitely plays into the Wyoming way, right? Of self-sufficiency, of taking care of our neighbors, of taking care of each other. It's a very Wyoming thing to do, but we've been told and we've all bought into this idea that convenience and food prepackaged and all of that is better when in truth, not only for our bodies, but for our community, locally produced food is just this, this really integral thread in our community that, that we really need to regain. Yes. And let's talk just a little bit here. We'll, get, we'll run down rabbit holes if it's okay with you. <laughs> But while we're right there on that point, the Wyoming Food Freedom Act was was yeah. is not a new idea. Uh, uh, Sue uh, Wallace uh, has been had been talking about that for this for a couple of decades. But the concept is that if you're making a product and feeding it to your family, why shouldn't you be able to sell that to somebody else? What greater food security is there than knowing? people that grew it and processed it. And that's how yeah. the Food Freedom Act came about. And what it says is, and it's the most liberal food land, food law in the United States, and it simply says that be between the producer and the informed 
consumer, there is no regulation. And I love it. I do too. It is a fantastic piece of what we're trying to do for sure. But that it's a wonderful segue into what you're doing now. That's between two people. And what we've got is a very complex economy now with population that's, you're talking about 75 years ago, we got a population that's 10, 15, 20 times higher than it was then. So yeah. that one-to-one uh, interaction is tougher all the time. So we have to get some way for these producers to scale up. So you came up with a wonderful little thing called the Good Food Hub. Well, I did. Now, it's definitely not an original idea. In fact, uh, if you've been to other communities in the country and the world, there are lots of them doing this exact concept. But for Wyoming, um, especially central Wyoming, there just wasn't really anything like this and, and a huge need for it. So, you know, we have a lot of great producers at our farmer's market that just make some incredible things like salsas and jams and jellies and canned items and sauces. And the problem is, unless you're selling at the farmer's market or direct like from your home, you're breaking the law still. Correct. Uh, so if you're a restaurant, if you're a caterer, if you're any, you know, hotel, any of those places, you can't go to my farmer's market and buy Miss Patty's jams and jellies because she's not doing it in a commercial kitchen. Right. And you, can't no. e- you can't even buy eggs. And resell. No. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there, yep. there's a, there's a lot of, and I think that's what we're looking at with these hubs. That's, right. That's the next step. Yep. It's, and the thing is, you know, it's, it's a great concept to expect anyone who wants to start a business to just bootstrap it all the way. But when it comes to things like um, where you need a commercial processing facility or a commercial kitchen, I mean, those are expensive. And if you can create a way for these micro producers to share the use of that, much like we have co-ops in all of these towns around Wyoming, you know, for selling your crops and selling your grains and sourcing seeds, we're doing that same concept with a kitchen and food processing facility. And so in Casper, it's called the Good Food Hub. And in Riverton, it's called the Riverton Local Food Hub. Very good. Woohoo! <laughs> so, have you got your kitchen up and going? Our kitchen is up and going. Yay. We need full health department next week for their final blessing, oh, but good. everything is functioning. And and let's talk about that just a little bit because people don't realize the complexities of these food laws. We have to comply number one with the uh, Wyoming food rule, uh, yes. which in many cases is based almost word for word on USDA uh, regulation. So there's also USDA regulation. The FDA falls into several classes of food preparation. And then you, as a lucky member of Natrona County, also have a (laughs) county health department, don't you? We do, yes. So for most counties in Wyoming, they just fall under Wyoming Department of Ag, but we have a county health department. And so the... Wyoming food law is well written, but it's still fairly nebulous. And in the Wyoming food law, it states that the administrator, so in our case, the health department, can be fined $10,000 or six months in jail if they fail to comply and administer the law correctly. And so for Natrona County, what that really means is it's a lot easier for them to say no if they don't 
than it is to say yes. We, we've done, we've done, and I, I tell people this all the time. And we're going to start. We're, we're doing this process next week, also. You know, we, yeah. we've got, we'll have uh, uh, to, to do all the spe- inspections, everything. And what I tell everybody is. The inspectors are our neighbors. They go to our churches. Their kids go to our schools. They're not our enemies. But the yes. way this thing is set up, we are forcing them to not only administer nebulous rules, I love that word, but we're, we're forcing them to administer them. So not, not only administer them, but to, to interpret them. And mm-hmm. that's not right. We really need some kind of something, somebody somewhere that says, wait a minute, this is what this means. Because I read that nebulous stuff for a half hour, I still don't know what it means. Yeah, absolutely. Well, another case, um, you know, it says adequate refrigeration. Okay. So in Campbell County, that can mean a cool bot, which is a $300 add-on to a homemade refrigerator. Um, You can use a shed, you can use a closet. You know, it, it works. It's used across the country. In Natrona County, it has to be an NSF certified commercial unit. Ah, no. Okay. Which, which, and for people that don't know, we're talking thousands of dollars difference in price. Correct. Which is the yeah. difference between making it and not. Because this, you know, the, the, to get local food, we, we're, we're competing against a, a commodity system that is super efficient, super well funded, and have been around for a long time. Now, yeah. so how, and we're going to have to charge more for this local product in order to make it work. And that's the, that's the, that's the bottom line to everything in that are people really worry, willing to commit the time, the energy and the money to support this local endeavor. Yep. That's the nail on the head because it's a lot of work. It's, if you love it, it's great work, but you're competing absolutely with, running into the grocery store and grabbing two items and paying $5 for what it would probably cost a local producer 15 to make. Exactly. Exactly. I fixed, I fixed some, uh, some briskets for some, for the girls volleyball team the other day and, uh, and uh, you know, got some off the neighbor, you know, good stuff. Yeah. Didn't have quite enough went into the local store and it cost a third as much for a, for a commercial brisket that it does for one off my neighbor. Yeah. It, 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 how do you compete against that? Now, you know, and I, 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 you know, not too many people would do that. I think that a lot of us will. I'm really hoping that a lot of us will realize that. And what, well, the, the, the difference is, is, is when, when they ate the brisket, the, the two that were from my neighbor, those girls, man, they ate them fast. Volleyball girls can't eat a lot fast. <laughs> The last one to go was the commercial brisket. So I guess that was the proof of the pudding, wasn't it? Sure. Well, and I think the other piece is what we're both trying to do with the shared use space, where we make it more affordable for the producers to produce their food. And in turn, that gets passed down to the consumers and it strengthens the local food system. Correct. So and, you and have these, to have them. Yeah. And these, these incubator kitchens. And, and that's another thing we need to, that this is truly an incubator. We want the, we don't, this is kind of like that little kid that, kid that's in your 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 kids are at home now and they're gonna be in high school and then go to college you don't want them just to stay at home that whole time when they get through college move on you know get your own bit we want people that's to right. succeed good enough to where they move downtown they move somewhere else and then make this space available for other people that are starting out it's truly an incubator it is and and circling back to the fact that you know wyoming 
tout its ag industry, which they should. It's really a strong part of it. But this is such a great opportunity to really multiply that ag industry by supporting micro producers that in turn can grow themselves and become larger scale producers and in time perhaps outsource or um, uh, send their products overseas. You bet. And, and, and that's, a, that's a very good point because this is cattle country. You know, everybody, when, when you think of the Marlboro man, he lived here. You know, this, yeah. is, this is beef country. But when we, I did the figures last week, we don't even feed ourselves with the beef that we process here. We only do less than a third of the beef that we process here is enough to, to feed ourselves. So everything else has to be shipped in from somewhere else, God knows where. And then the money sent somewhere else, God knows where. And so we right. have the, that ability, and that's where we can really, really shine is there's certainly enough money there to pay that processor and marketer and still have that, uh, uh, have that uh, uh, local producer claim more of that food dollar. Will Harris, I don't yeah. know if you ever run into Will or not, he's got white oak pastures in Bluffton, Georgia, and he's an old southern gentleman. I met him at a conference here a few years ago, and golly, he's quite a character. But he had a he had a uh, a pot he had a uh, a blog. Just a I'm gonna I'll, actually I'll put it in the show notes of this uh, of this podcast. But it's called Fifteen Damn Percent <laughs> because that's what the farmer gets is fifteen percent of the food dollar. The other eighty five cents all goes to some kind of corporate advertising, marketing, transportation, processing, that's all somewhere else. And what Will has done in his place uh, is he's got a a rotational grazing thing where they start with a large ruminant, and then they go with a small ruminant, which is a goat, and then they go with poultry. And he's got the processing place on on the ranch. He's got about 75 local people hired to to work in the processing, and he's marketing this uh, over the Internet. And going great guns, and he's making money and improving his soil and improving his community, and so that fifteen damn cents, like he calls it, you know, he says, just pay attention to that. We can compete with commodity ag. All right, Jamie, looking forward, you've got well. First of all, tell people about the uh, the 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 hub. And that's within the last six months, right, that you've been going? Yes. Yep. We uh, bought that in January for cash. We were really fortunate that we do have some folks here in our community that get what we're trying to do and wanted to invest in it. So we bought an 11,000-square-foot building uh, with an existing commercial kitchen space in it. And what we're trying to do is uh, remodel that building. We're hoping to have it done by March or April of 2020. Uh, but we'll try and use the uh, kitchen while we're doing that. My apologies. We're going to start remodeling in March of April or March or April of 2020. Um, so we'll use the kitchen until then. Our winter market will be housed there. But ultimately, it will be a building with growing in a four-season greenhouse, aggregation of food from around the region, uh, processing, a culinary training program, multi-use kitchens, finishing areas, 
and then a public marketplace as well. <laughs> and you've got a website, right? If people want to uh, explore this. We do. I know you're going to link to it for me, but it's uh, wygoodfoodhub.com. Got it. Okay. And I, you know what I like about you guys? You take big bites. There's nothing scares you. <laughs> you just take big breaths with your big bites and you just, you know, <laughs> just sit around and talk about doing something when you could be doing it. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's what happens. You get something started and this momentum goes, momentum goes and good things happen. Lastly, let's talk about local issues just for a little bit. I love it. Um, Localicious is our annual fundraising event. It will happen on Friday, September 13th, just south of Glenrock on the VR Ranch. We've got a whole pig that one of our chefs is going to do three different ways for us for our longest table main course. But when you arrive on the grounds, you'll be able to enjoy selections of locally produced uh, beers and wines from our friends at Bootlegger Liquors. And then we'll have some chefs and foodies set up doing uh, tapas tastings using all locally sourced ingredients as well. So, uh, you know, coming back to a local solution to hunger, you have to have local food if you're going to feed people locally. So this is really just a mechanism for us to highlight our relationships with all of these local producers and chefs and to come together and have a celebration and, uh, Jack Schmidt himself will be our MC, so we encourage everybody to come join us. There's great ho- there's a great hotel in Glenrock, and Casper's just 18 miles down the road. And, you know, in Wyoming, that's just a short little jaunt. That's so. right. So, uh, yeah, we, we really would get, encourage people to come out. Good food and a lot of fun. And i tell you what, the more you talk about this, the more charged up you get. Jamie, I'm, thanks for your time. Thank you, Jack. You have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Also joining us today is Tim McKeeter. Tim is with the University of Wyoming Extension, and he's currently working to help coordinate many of the diverse local food movements that are sprouting up around the state. Tim, how are you? Uh, I'm doing great, Jack. Uh, Thanks for having me on. You bet. I'll tell you what. Give us a little bit of your bio, because I don't impress easy, and it impressed the hell out of me. Um, Well, uh you know, I recently retired from uh, the U.S. Army. Uh, I spent uh, about 30 years um, as a career infantry officer. Um, and my, uh, my last major assignment was over in Germany with U.S. Africa Command, where I uh, was the deputy director for their uh, policy, strategy, uh, and plans directorate. Um, spent about two years over there doing a lot of work uh, down on the uh, continent. Uh, and prior to that, like I said, I had uh, several assignments um, with the infantry. I uh, spent a lot of time at Fort Bragg, and uh, I thought coming out, uh, this would be a great opportunity. I'm, as you know, I'm currently an AmeriCorps uh, volunteer, as you already stated, at UW Extension. Um, and I'm not from Wyoming. Uh, I have very limited uh, agriculture background, however, um what I think I'm able to bring uh, from my experience in the military and, and organizational management, planning, strategy development uh, goes to your your uh, description of my position here and trying to help coordinate uh, as an outsider um, to see uh, maybe an unbiased view of uh, what's happening with this uh, amazing local food movement in Wyoming and hopefully help facilitate uh, people to connect the dots and uh, 
connect these networks that exist regionally around the state uh, in a really uh, amazing fashion. Uh, the work that's going on is amazing around the state, but uh, the one gap seems to be the ability to collect a lot of like-minded people in the community of interest and then maybe strengthen uh, that collective voice uh, of the folks that are involved in this type of work. So. Exactly. And I want to, the, the one thing you didn't mention with Tim was a general in the uh, Army Infantry and his uh, organizational skills are something that we, and a particularly, I'll, I'll say me, and a lot of us are really lacking in this for, for, for what I can see is so sorely needed, and especially the timing of it. Uh, we're just kind of getting on the, on the start of this local food, and it's gaining momentum fast, and there's no use in everybody riding the same horse. And if we can get organized to where we can uh, divide our tasks up, we can accomplish so much more. Now, Tim, I know you've been traveling around the country quite a little, around Wyoming quite a little bit. What have you found around the state that's happening so far? Well, um, that's true. I have, uh, I'm about five months into my uh, one-year assignment, so I'll be here through March of 20. And uh, I work uh, for Cole Emke down here in Extension, and he he kind of guided me early on in this process to get out, because uh, I'm not uh, Wyomingite. Uh, to get out and see the state as much as I could, and I've traveled uh, almost, I'd say, about two-thirds of the of the state. I still have some more uh, places to go visit. But what I've seen is uh, in, in these travels, uh, with working with the uh, Farm to Plate uh, Task Force, who have done several regional meetings around the state trying to get people together and, and, uh, and, and get their ideas. So I've really been listening a lot. Uh, and, you know, there's a there's a very strong and vibrant local food um, community within the state, uh, and people uh, really want to connect uh, these efforts. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, Jack, but what you said is exactly right. There is there are like uh, pockets of excellence uh, and initiative and optimism uh, about this local food movement uh, across the state. Uh, and what I've been hearing back from people is there seems to be a, a pretty genuine desire um, for not for individuals to give up uh, the work that they're doing. And and what I try to do as an AmeriCorps VISTA is help build sustainable capacity in the larger system. So, you know, with an eye towards respecting, uh, acknowledging and respecting the great work that's going on, uh, and then not trying to recreate the wheel in any of our endeavors, but to but to leverage um, the excellence that's happening around the state, and and one of the one of the things and the pieces of feedback that, that I've heard consistently is is there seems to be like I said a genuine desire to form some type of entity, uh, maybe it's a, a food coalition advisory council or a food policy council um, that would be a statewide entity that would receive input um, from across the state um, and from all aspects of the local food community. And that extends in my mind, in my observation, uh, well beyond just the producer to the consumer kind of relationship. Um, when you look at local food, um, there's, you know, there are community aspects, there's economic diversification aspects, economic benefits, there's uh, health and nutrition, there's creating greater access for uh, people living in food insecurity and in poverty to, to get 
uh, local uh, nutritious, locally produced nutritious foods to those individuals. Uh, I mentioned health and nutrition. There's also education, and it's education in terms of culture, um, education in sustainable agriculture, education in uh, and mentoring for young farmers and, and startups, uh, new farmers coming in. So all of those kind of different elements form this larger community. Um, and the idea of having maybe a, a board or an advisory council that can receive input from that and then uh, strengthening that collective voice back to the legislature, uh, to policymakers within the state, uh, either an advisory role or an advocacy role, I think has uh, great potential. And there seems to be, like I said, interest um, from all of those uh, int- uh, all those groups that I just mentioned in doing something like that, because um, the voice right now um, is just it's not it's not cohesive. So it's very hard to kind of get any momentum with legislature, the legislature or policymakers. Um, because, you know, it's just little, it's little sound bites from around the state. But when we uh, can get this group together and formed, um, I think um, it's, it can be a very powerful uh, voice. Uh, and then that could in turn turn into resources, uh, access to resources. And there are incredible resources in the state already. But it's connecting those resources with the, the folks that need it, uh, I think has great potential. I totally agree. I think if, if especially right now, where we're just everybody getting started. We're taking that first, that left foot is just starting to move right now. If we could speak as one voice to the powers that be to where they know what we're doing and what we want, I think it would would so expedite what we're trying to do because we do live in a world where we are uh, bound by the legislative process. And so we have to address that. And most of us are very very reticent not to do that. And I think this is very, very important that we have that link then between that producer and the legislature. And I hope that's what we're going to get out of this. So uh, we uh, we had a meeting here on the 18th when we got to talk a little bit. And uh, we were talking about a, a local food council then, right? Local, local food, uh, was the council, is that what we we're going to call it? Well, again, I think that's going to be a group decision. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, I can talk a little bit about where we're at in that process okay. and some of the goals uh, for this year, if you would like. Please. Um, but uh, so one of the, the second ideas that was brought up and when I was with the, the folks that I work for uh, most directly was the idea of potentially doing some type of food, Wyoming uh, Food Coalition Summit um, this year. Uh, as and prior to the 13 January 2020 convening of the uh, of the state of the state legislature, um, so that's picked up some momentum, and and we're looking at potentially trying to hold that summit um, in December uh, or potentially the first week of January. But leading up to that, um, we've also received some wise counsel from folks that understand how this state works, to include Brad down there at CWC, uh, and. Um, and then, we, you know, we met with the, the business council last week and they kind of gave us the same feedback is we have to start engaging with the joint agriculture um, uh, committee. Uh, they have a meeting in September and another in January and start kind of uh, highlighting um, what this statewide entity could potentially look like and also showing them that 
interest in, and momentum behind this movement are, are increasing. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have a strategic kind of outreach um, concept uh, to get some, get the right people to go and there are public comments at those meetings and we'll produce some, some documents to distribute at those uh, meetings. So that is one step so that we don't, you know, show up in January and think something's going to happen in 2020. We've got to kind of, you know, work our way uh, towards that with the, with the policy goals and uh, what the agenda of this uh, food advisory council um, might look like. Right. Uh, uh, let me throw this, uh, let me offer this too. Uh, whoever might be listening to this podcast, whenever you, you have something to say, we'd be glad to be a microphone for you to get that word out. Absolutely. So um, as we move towards this this summit, this potential summit, and I think it'll happen, uh, there might be 20 people in the room, there might be 200. We, we hope it's a, it's a large uh, group uh, with representatives from all those different interest groups. So um, the, the concept kind of going forward, and I still have to send this out to the core group and, and get their recommendations. I just move in the direction that they ask me to move in. I present options and and then we move in that direction. But uh, one of the uh, ideas is is that we form uh, subgroups or subcommittees, and these would be kind of functional. So there would be a health and nutrition committee. There would be a food sovereignty committee. There would be a, a producer uh, committee, which would include production, uh, distribution, um, and some of those subtopics, and get like-minded people from around the state um, to to collaborate on those particular topics. So there'll be a framework. So we would have an advisory council on the top, which is still to be formed. And then we would have all these subcommittees that would represent the different interests. Um, Some of the feedback I received is there are too many diverse interests and we might never get that collective um, uh, agreement on the high end topics. But I'm pretty optimistic that there are probably three to five um, high end topics uh, that we could get people um, to agree on. And then those subcommittees underneath that would, would work on their own uh, agendas and their own uh, goals and objectives for each of those um, subcommittees. So things like food access for low-income populations, um, healthy, nutritious food, I think that's that's pretty important. I think the idea of um, the, the Food Freedom Act, which is probably uh, the most liberal uh, in, in the nation, um, but some of the feedback we receive is if you know it needs to get taken to the next step, correct? Uh, and and try to uh, codify some of the some of the requirements in that, and then the education piece of that, um, and and the uh, you know the nutrition. Uh, I'm sorry, the the food safety guidelines right. and, and and packaging and things. So those would all kind of come together. But I think we could we could get folks to say, yeah, that's probably. Uh, and, and important, uh, those are important topics uh, that we can all agree on. Another one, um, Jack, is the idea of having a, um, a something in the, in, in the state, an entity in the state that, that is focused on kind of a local food, local agriculture um, community. Um, and the example I gave in that meeting, um, and it sort of fits, is, you know, last year Wyoming uh, created the the uh, Wyoming uh, Broadband uh, Enhancement uh, Advisory Council. So that was legislated. It happened quickly. There was a the WBC, uh, the Business Council, was was kind of the action arm to 
to, to do that study. And then they created a board um, that then is now accountable back to the legislature and back to the governor uh, to make progress because everybody understands how important uh, increasing broadband is for the future of the state tied into a lot of the endow objectives and things like that. So one of the ideas is, you know, do uh, the, the people of Wyoming within this community, would they like to see something similar uh, for the local food? Yes. And yeah, the wonderful uh, thing about this movement that we've got going on now with what we'll call it the hub movement, it is truly grassroots. These are truly the people that are out there. These are the tillers of the soil, and that's a way that we can uh, transmit what they need, uh, what they what they think is important, on up through your chain, right up to the top, and I love that. Right, and so the idea is what y'all are doing in, in Fremont County and the surrounding counties in that area is, is great. What uh, Jamie Purcell is doing uh, with her, um, the hub that and the, the kitchen that she's trying to create there in Casper. I mean, these are all excellent movements, but you're, you're, you know, we just need to bridge those. Yes. And then if you have that sustainable entity, that sustainable capacity at the state, for, and maybe it's just something that lasts for a couple of years and then some, something else takes over. But yeah. the idea is, is you get focus and then you have a direct connection into the Department of Agriculture, the Health and Human Services, uh, the legislature, the business council, and then it, it, it won't die out. Because the other thing that we've seen um, is these movements, they will start and they'll have great upward uh, trajectory. Then they kind of plateau, and then it's, but it's all volunteers and, and people yeah. that are concerned about their community and local agriculture. And then one or two folks fall out. You know, and everybody has a day job exactly. that the, yep. they kind of fizzle out. Yep. So the goal would be to have something that could sustain this movement yep. so uh, in, throughout the state. In this in this system that we're building, and we're not – actually, that we're rebuilding. In this system that we're rebuilding, we really got to keep in mind that it has to be uh, economically viable on its own basis. And I right. think we need to start right with that assumption that we've got to make it to where it – carries its own weight and not by a volunteer thing. Very, very right. good point. All right, Tim, right. We, we appreciate all your input, by golly, and we want to keep up with this. So I'll probably ask you on again as we're going along now. Uh, and if you get anything that you need to put out, uh, uh, make sure to get a hold of us, and we'd be glad to get it on the air. I, I will. And thank you for the opportunity, Jack, and I hope this was helpful. Uh, we, we're trying to get the word out, and if anybody's out there that is interested in being uh, a part of, of what we're trying to do, I would say contact Jack, and he'll put you in contact with me uh, quickly, and we'll we'll loop you in you for bet. sure. All right. Thank you, Tim. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, episode one of the story of the Riverton Local Food Hub is in the can. We hope you enjoyed it. And if some aspect of the local food movement appeals to you, contact us with your questions or observations. You can go to the RivertonLocalFoodHub.com or go to a Facebook page. You can leave a comment, leave a suggestion, leave an observation. But whatever you do, eat well and eat local. Today's Freebot Food Hub podcast is brought to you by the Brown Company. Brown Company is locally owned and operated by a New Holland Ag and Light Construction dealer right here in Riverton, Wyoming. They've been part of the Fremont County community for 11 years now. They're well known by the Ag folks for their consumer service and their ser- service after the sale. And I'll tell you what, when you got a baiter down or a swather that's not going right, 
that service after the sale makes a lot of difference. Brown's proud to carry New Holland equipment for their fields around here, and they also carry lines of lawn and garden products for backyard producers, too. Stop into their shop at 39 Country Acres Road, just north of Riverton. You can also catch them online, gobrowncompany.com. 